Okay, so we are making our way through Unit 4 of God's Economics, and we are up to, if we have Jesus, we have everything. Jesus is the treasure. In Jesus is everything that we will ever possibly need from now until he returns and all the way through the rest of eternity. He is the creator. He is the owner. He is the everything in all of creation. All that we need is Jesus. It's, I, I, I don't know any other way to say it. It's just the truth that Jesus is everything and Jesus is the treasure. It's even beyond the Lord is my portion. It's, if we have Jesus, we have nothing to fear. God is able to supply everything that we need materially, in health, in healing, in deliverance, in provision, It's all in Jesus. Why? Because as we talked about before, Jesus has reconciled us with God. Jesus has restored what was broken between humanity and God. We were enemies of God, and Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has reconciled us with God. Every cause of sickness, every cause of lack, every cause of not having enough has been removed and dealt with through the cross of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to be bajillionaires, all of us, but what it means is that we have a relationship with the one who owns the whole world. So we don't need to have a bajillion dollars in our own bank account. You just want that because you want to control it. But if you believe that God is in control, and if you believe that God is loving and God is faithful and that God will give you what you need when you need at the right time for the right purpose, then you don't mind so much that God is the one who controls the resources because you know you only want to do things his way. The only reason you want it in your own bank account rather than in God's bank account is because you still want to do the things that you want rather than the things that God wants. But as soon as you get that crucified, you're fine. You know, God is never going to let me down, so I can just function and keep obeying the Holy Spirit. I can do whatever God tells me to do, and everything that God tells me to do, He will faithfully provide for that without fail. And believe me, friends, I have been living this. This is the reality of of my life. I'm not just giving you some cutesy talk. And then, you know, unfortunately, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to insult pastors. I think pastors have hard work, you know, before them. And I don't fault them for getting a salary from whatever church it is that they are leading. But there is something different that happens in your life when you are truly, truly dependent on God for your provision rather than, you know, in a church type setting you get a bi-weekly paycheck and your health insurance paid. Now, you believers out there, don't start cutting your pastor off from their salary just because I said that. Don't, don't twist what I'm saying. But there's something deep that happens where the words that you're saying 
are a reality to you rather than just pontificating about, oh, yeah, this is what it's like to live by faith, even though I get a biweekly paycheck and I've never had to live by faith. That's what I'm saying. There's a disconnect there that can sometimes happen if you've never actually had the rubber meet the road in your own life of having to trust God for everything that you need. And quite frankly, in the times that are to come, Everyone is going to have to trust God for everything that we need because the times are going to get rough. And in order to participate in the marketplace, we're going to have to take the mark of the beast, which if you are a believer, you cannot and will not do. All right. But that means that you're not going to be able to participate in the Babylon system. And that's what Unit 4 is all about. Do you want to be in the Babylon system or do you want to do things Jesus' way? Do you value Jesus more than you value the system of this world and all that it claims to offer you. All right, so I'm living proof. The way that I live my life, God had me give away everything I own. Many years ago, I have lived entirely by faith, not asking anyone for anything that I need, but trusting God in prayer and obeying his voice. That was his command to me. And God supplies what I need when I need it. And I also want to thank any of you who have contributed to uh, Manifest International or to this podcast. This podcast, it's very important to me that this teaching is made available for free so that if there are people who are living by faith and they are relying on God and maybe they don't have the money in their bank account to pay for Bible teaching or Bible school or ministry training or, you know, things like that, that this is freely available to them. That is my heart to make these things freely available. So if you have already contributed to that, I just want to thank you for that. It means so much to me that your support is there. And I live my life, this podcast, and the the whole of my life, I do it to obey God. And as I obey God, God moves in the hearts of people at just the right time with just the right amount. Both large amounts and small amounts can be very meaningful when God is is up to something. So, you know, it can take, if God has a big project at hand, he can move in the hearts of 20 people or 50 people to give a small amount. And all of a sudden, the big thing that, you know, you thought was insurmountable, uh, all of a sudden God has paid for it. Or God can move in the heart of one person to write the check that covers the project of God. It's like God, it's all Jesus. It's all God. And when we do it God's way, he doesn't fail. He is fully able to move in people's hearts. He is fully able to provide in non-financial ways. There are many, many, many times when in my old, my former investment banker brain, I thought, okay, well, I need God to give me this much money so that I can buy this and this and this and do what God told me to do. And the Lord told me many years ago when I first started living by faith, he told me not to pray that way. He told me not to pray that way. And I was like, what? He said, just pray for what you need. Don't pray for the money. Pray for what you need and watch what I do. And so I had put together a list already of the things that I needed and all the the money of what it cost. Well, what wound up happening is that by the Holy Spirit, the Lord led me. He said, go to that store over there. So I went to that store over there and it just so happened that they were having like a 60% off sale on something that was on my list. And it just so happened that I had 
the money in my bank account to make that purchase right then and there, but I got 60% off. So I didn't need God to give me the money that I thought I needed him to give so I could pay full price for it. So this is something I say. I hope this is not offensive to you. Those of you who know me, you know I love the Jewish people, but Jesus is Jewish. He likes a good deal, okay? So hey, he knows how to lead me to the store where they're having a 60% off sale. Right on. Why pay retail when you own the whole world? This is great. So, you know, and God can also provide. He can move in the heart of someone who has something that's on your list. And the next thing you know, they're knocking on your door and they're saying, hey, I had this and I really felt like the Lord wanted me to give it to you. Well, so you cross that off. You didn't have to pay any money for that. So God is able. He works in these wonderful ways to provide for his purposes when we trust in him. But the answer is, it's not about the stuff. It's not about the money. It's about Jesus. It's about when we keep our eyes on Jesus. Jesus has reconciled us with the Father. It's the Father's great joy to give us the kingdom. It's the Father's great joy to glorify himself by providing for us and taking care of all that we need. So that we're going to get into point E if we have Jesus. We have everything. Jesus is the treasure. So there are two uh, parables. They're side by side, and they seem to be very similar. This is in Matthew 13. This is the only place that these two parables appear. Matthew 13 is the kingdom parables chapter. All of Matthew 13 is about the, the parables of Jesus pertaining to the kingdom of God. But Jesus Jesus, not you, not something else, not the money. Jesus is the treasure that is worth all we have. Jesus is the pearl of great value. Jesus is the treasure that is hidden, that when we find him, he is worth all selling all that we have in order to have him. So Matthew 13 verse 44 says it this way. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So when you find Jesus, you recognize like a man who's just do 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 walking along in a field, and then all of a sudden you stumble on this treasure, and you're like, whoa. Okay, this is this is some valuable treasure. This treasure is worth way more than anything I have right now. But okay, let's look. I got to cover this up so nobody else finds it, right? And I'm going to go sell everything I have so that I can buy this plot of land at the land price so that I can have the treasure that's in this land, right? When we find Jesus, we have found the treasure that was hidden from us. Okay, this is a beautiful thing. He is worth selling, leaving behind, forsaking everything we know, everything we have to follow after him. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field. Well, without Jesus, you have no kingdom. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. Jesus is the kingdom of heaven. And we as his followers, we are the body of Christ. We are the kingdom of heaven. But he being a part of that, being a part of him, finding him is like finding a treasure that is worth us selling all that we have to keep him and to have him.
And the next parable, verse 45 and 46, is, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Hallelujah. So this is someone who was actually searching for a fine pearl. He wasn't just walking along. He was looking for it. He was out on a quest to find it. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you've been on a quest to find spiritual truth and you haven't found it. You've tried this. You've tried that. You've tried this. You've tried that. You've tried remedies. You've tried all these other spiritualities and none of them have satisfied you. But when you find Jesus, you find that one pearl This is only one pearl. It's not many pearls. Now, I've heard people talk about Jesus in the form of spirituality and say, yeah, that's like putting all your eggs in one basket. That's exactly right. Because there's only one basket that can get me into eternal life. There's only one basket that atoned for my sin and laid down his life for me. There's only one basket that is the son of the Most High God, the maker of heaven and earth. So there's only one fine pearl of great value. That's the one that I've been looking for. That's the one that you've been looking for. He's the only one who can ever satisfy you. So on finding that one pearl, this merchant went out, sold all that he had, and bought that one pearl. So it's the same idea, but a different context, different different concept, right? So one was not looking for it. Now, I do have a course. It will come out uh, soon. It's the, on the parables of Jesus. And I break down there how this Jesus in a very subtle way, this is actually an allusion to Gentiles and to Jews. So the Gentiles, they're not, they weren't looking for God. They were looking at all their other gods. They were, you know, worshiping all their false gods. But they're do-do-do-do-do, walking through a field, and then they stumble upon the Messiah of Israel. But if they recognize that Jesus is the only God that they need, then they leave everything they have to have Jesus, right? So that's the Gentile version. The other way, the other one is the Jews. Now, the Jews for centuries, they have known that they are the covenant people of God. They've been looking for the Messiah. And there have been many kings that have come and gone, and none of them were the Messiah. And there have been other people, crazy false prophets who have come and gone, and they said, I'm the Messiah. And they proved to be false and fake and have no power and no eternal life, right? They were just false prophets. So they've been looking. I need a fine pearl, not a fake pearl, a fine pearl. And when they find Jesus, they find that one pearl of great value. And he is worth forsaking all in order to have him. Hallelujah. So Jesus is the treasure. Jesus is also the wisdom of God. So according to 1 Corinthians 1.24, Jesus is righteousness, sanctification, redemption, and he is the wisdom of God. And in Jesus are all the treasures of heaven and earth. So without Jesus, there is no access to God. Without Jesus, you're just like the world. Even if you are accumulating wealth for yourself, you're no better than Cain and Nimrod who are stockpiling resources in their cities that they built to make a name for themselves. Without Jesus, you do not have connection to the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. All 
all of those things are bound up in Jesus. Well, if Jesus is the wisdom of God, which he is, let's look at what the Bible says from the book of Proverbs about wisdom. So from the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, starting with verse 18, riches and honor are with me. So this is wisdom talking. Now, in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a woman. But we understand from the New Testament that Jesus is the wisdom of God. So just because it was personified as a woman doesn't mean it is a woman. It was just personified that way in uh, using a, a metaphor for communication purposes in the book of Proverbs. But wisdom who we know is Jesus, is saying riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. So what's an inheritance? An inheritance is you didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. You were born into it or somebody just decided to leave it to you. You receive it as a free gift. So Jesus he has the riches. He has the honor. He gives them to whoever he pleases. But he is better than gold. He is better than silver. And what he gives, he gives as a free gift, adding no sorrow to it. Jesus is the wisdom of God, but he requires and walks in righteousness. He requires those who follow after him to walk in the way that he walked. Hallelujah. So Colossians, Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, he also talks about wisdom and the treasures of Jesus. And Paul, again, sometimes he goes on in some long sentences. So we're picking up halfway through a sentence by uh, looking at Colossians 2, starting with verse 2, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. Here we go. To reach all the riches of full assurance, of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So Paul had said earlier, just before this in Colossians chapter 1, he had said that the mystery of God is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the hope of eternal life dwelling with God forever. So the riches of that assurance, if you are assured that Christ, the Son of God, the Spirit of God is dwelling in you and that God is now your Father, then you have all the treasure you could possibly need. And if you don't have the finances for what you think you need, then you need to adjust what you think you need until it's in alignment with what God thinks that you need. And then you will have everything you need because God never fails to provide according to what he thinks you need. So anyway, God's mystery, which is Christ, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Why does Paul make that so clear? 
Because just like the kings that we learned about in the last class, someone can be a believer and start off well. This is what was happening in the Colossian church. They started off well. They started off sincere. They started off devoted. But false teachers were coming up and presenting false theologies blended with this world, blended with the arguments and uh, beliefs and philosophies of this world, just like the kings would make alliances with other nations of the world, the these the Colossians were joining their theology with the nations of this world and the people who are in rebellion against God. God, they don't mix. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and we need to keep our eyes completely and totally on him so that no one can delude us with plausible arguments. Hallelujah. If we have Jesus, we have everything. 